Good afternoon and welcome to Community Focus at JJY. I'm Ken Thomas. My guest today is Tom Nixon with the Minnesota TZD program. And Tom, welcome back to Community Focus. Thank you very much again for taking the time to listen here. Yeah, uh, we uh, here we go. Winter driving is back. Uh, the holidays are upon us. Uh, bad times to be on the road, unfortunately, in Minnesota. And we've been talking about it. This has been an extremely tough year so far. Yeah, many times when we talk about record-breaking or, or setting new uh, heights, it's it's sometimes of an accomplishment. And in TZD, for many years, we were we were celebrating the decline. We were celebrating the, the, the number of lives saved on our roads. And at this point in this year, we are 445 deaths lost on our roads compared to 358 this time last year. And last year was an increased year over previous. Yeah, yeah. The numbers going the wrong way, and uh, I know there's a lot of people scratching their heads as to why this is happening. It it really is a, a, a debacle of, of no significant sign why or how, uh, but yet we all know it's a preventable death. It's something that we can we can take control of, we can own. And when we've we've looked at the crash data, there's a lot of discussion about speed. I think maybe there's some misunderstanding about that. When a when a crash is classified as a speed crash, it's not necessarily that someone's going 90 miles an hour um, in any speed zone. It's it's that they were going too fast for conditions. Right. Uh, there have been a lot of egregious speeds where where they're finding people are going way faster than than the posted speed or the people around them. And that differential, that difference between the fast one and the, and maybe the one just abiding by the speed creates quite a, 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 a difference that when that impact occurs, it's going to be horrific. Yeah. Um, but additional is, yeah, we've had 445 lives lost. Um, and, I, and I have to be clear, too, I've talked about this before. That's... That's ones that uh, there's a federal listing of what counts, and I, I, every life lost counts. But we have to use a certain limit here that if there are other contributing factors or conditions that maybe it was a medical event that it contributed to this or if it was a, um, a certain class of crimes or things of that sort, things that would be typically unpreventable uh, from, a, from a federal funding standpoint – then those don't necessarily count in this. So we actually have lost even more lives on our roads. Mm. But um, that's a bad way to go. We're, we're in the wrong direction. And uh, heading into the holidays here, as you were mentioning, we really want to uh, to stop the trend. Yeah. Uh, a number of factors. You've already cited speed. I know I can't tell you how many times I hear of a fatality on the road. And the report also includes they weren't wearing seatbelts, something that it seems so easy to do. But... We still have people that don't wear them, and boy, you get in a crash without that seatbelt. Um, odds are against you, aren't they? they? They really are. And when you look at the, the data, uh, uh, nearly half of the people that die in crashes are not wearing belts, but our seatbelt compliance rate is quite high. Most people are wearing their seatbelts. Most kids are in the right size child seat. Most the time, the restraint system, the airbag system will save a life even in a, in a terrible crash. When when someone is doing what they should be doing or even when they're doing something they shouldn't be doing, that belt is a real life safety opportunity that I've not heard of a lot of 
well, even decent excuses, let alone a valid reason uh, that people wouldn't wear one. Uh, there are, you know, medical times where maybe it, it just won't fit over certain uh, um, apparatus that are, are securing maybe a, a, a traction of a surgery or something of that sort. But that's pretty rare. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tom, let's talk a little bit more about winter driving. Uh, there are so many factors here. Uh, earlier we said uh, driving for the speed of the conditions and the safety of the road. And it's a whole new ball game when there's snow falling and on the roadways, isn't it? It certainly is. We think about, uh, you know, the, the vehicle components of this. And you have to have uh, adequate traction. Uh, last last uh, snowfall, we had uh, a fair number of slide-offs and, and people that were not prepared. Uh, their tires were not of the right traction or the windshields weren't clear. When we think about what we need to be prepared for, it's a, it's a stressful time. And the road conditions warrant us to drive to that condition, drive slower if we need be, or, or don't drive if you can't see. Uh, if your vehicle is not in the condition to be on the road, you know, you need all of your, your lights on. That's Sometimes people wonder, well, why do they care if our lights are all on in our vehicle? What's wrong with the taillights out? It's harder to see you. Yeah. And if you have an incident or you can't see the road, you know, the rumbles, uh, they help guide you in the dark a little bit there in the blind out conditions. But prepare yourself, give yourself the time, don't be rushing, and be prepared by having the right equipment. You know, that windshield washer fluid is is rather relatively inexpensive, and I think it's a, another thing, you know, keeping those wiper blades up to date and and clean and letting your windshield uh, uh, defroster work before you get going. All of those things contribute to it's just one less thing to worry about. Yeah. And and having that scraper and making sure you use it before you get on the road and brushing the snow off. I still see people driving around with, you know, a back window that's totally snow covered. I think to myself, uh, that's just dangerous. You, you you don't get to see everything you need to see if, if all the windows aren't clear. And I understand, you know, if your vehicle's sitting outside for the night and, and an emergency comes up, how do I take the time to do this? You might not have an option. Once you start going down the road and you have maybe warm air coming out of your vehicle and then the snow that's on your hood flies up onto the windshield, it, it actually can cause that, that condition to fog up real quickly at that point. And for many people, it's a, a they don't know what to do, how to respond to that. It's, it's not something that happens regularly. So cleaning all of that off, your, your headlights and your taillights and the roof, who has time for that? You better make time for it. Yeah. And I'll add, uh, too, as we talk winter driving, boy, the snow plows, you are not going to win that battle. Just stay back. Give them plenty of room. It's safer to be behind them, and yet every winter we hear of people trying to pass a snowplow, and sure enough, they're going to they're gonna be in trouble. The, the best road to drive on is behind that plow. Yeah. And, and, and if they're going 20 miles an hour, and sometimes that's what they need to do to scrape that surface, uh, there's a premier risk to getting around. You can't, you can't see through that snow cloud. Uh, your your judgment of you know what it's going to take to get around you is all based on you know the road condition and your vehicle's tires and and luck and in this in this time right now with as many people that have died on the roads luck has not been in the favor of enough people I I'd, I'd, I'd encourage you to either give yourself extra time if you know the plows are going to be out or be okay with being a little late yeah. and and that nobody wants to be late. But you're probably not going to make up that time in the short drive that you have. Driving 20 miles an hour faster in 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 a short distance is not even going to get you there quick enough. So own it, be late, 
buy donuts next time. I don't know, but but uh, passing that plow is not a good option. And and if you do, you know, if they move over to the shoulder and they make that opportunity, they're not saying go ahead and pass. They're saying I'm moving over. You take you take the chance. You pick the spot. Maybe you have to wait until traffic clears or you can get through. But um, behind that plow, it's the best road to ride on at that point. Yeah. Tom, there are some resources, too, uh, 511, and I've noticed uh, a lot of the new phones now will uh, show you roads that are slippery and snow-covered. There there are some resources out we there. We really want people to be aware of what the road conditions are, uh, 511mn.org, or you can get the app, or you can, yeah, Google and, and Apple and um, a, a whole assortment of, of different uh, applications are getting the road data that we have that are going to let you know what it looks like. In fact, uh, we have cameras all over that are, are showing what the road condition is live. If you're interested, if you're you're thinking about, gosh, I want to get to uh, you know St. Cloud or I want to go to Duluth or I'm headed up north, uh, 371, any of these, these uh, state highways, not everyone, but many of them have at least regionally a camera on the road that it can give you an idea. Oh boy, you know, it looks like they're getting quite a bit of snow or it looks like it's bare pavement. Our MnDOT crews, uh, their, their goal is to get a clean pavement surface and, and they're, they're always working to get there. So from a, uh, traveler perspective, use those websites. They're going to give you that update and if there's a crash, uh, they'll, they'll let you know that as well. Um, all of this adds up to data, and I know that at TZD and uh, uh, the, the MnDOT data is very important. They use that data for a lot of different things, don't they? The Towards Zero Deaths program advertises itself as a data-driven program, that what we want to do is to look at when a crash happened um, and figure out what happened and try to prevent that from happening again. Even though it may appear like uh, that was a complete unique event or something that was unusual how that occurred, there's still some common things that occur. And the big four, when we talk about behaviors of speeding, uh, impairment, inattention, and... Education. Aggressive and... driving. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is, uh, you know, I, I, what I want to focus on there is when you think about how do we prevent those things, in an engineering component... We invest a lot of money in in trying to change the infrastructure so that people can't make a mistake on the road that, uh, you know, we prevent how they turn or how they go. We also invest in education and we invest in, in changing behavior with enforcement. What we have today is is a history of when we would look at those crashes, we sometimes maybe had a, a behavior that really contributed to that crash. And when we were to invest engineering in that intersection, we may not be changing it for another 20 years. That may not have actually affected anybody for a long time. But if we can think about something a little bit more more real time, we've been using uh, – we, we invested in a project in the last year where we're taking um, – a lot more current data, stuff that's happening right now. And we're trying to be where we can actually predict where crashes are likely to occur. Not so much that I can tell you at a certain address at a certain time of day, this is when the crash is going to happen. Right. But but more to the effect, we think that uh, based on the history and where traffic movements are, where we are looking at where where vehicles are traveling down the road, um, those, those little data collectors that everybody has in their pocket um, – it's reporting data. The, the active routes that are on your uh, Google Maps that are telling you which way to go, they don't have, they're, although they're using traffic data, they're also using every phone that's moving along with EDMS data that's coming out. Streetlight is a, is a software that we can use that we don't know, we don't know Ken's 
address or or Tom's address or anybody else's. But we see origin and destination data. We see how how many stops they make, uh, what their corridor speed was, how long it took them to get from one place to another, and we can collect that data in in and utilize it so we can see. Where does risk occur? Then we take in um, weather data. We take in crash data, citation data, patrol data, and all of this kind of layered into – this was a big job, actually. We, yeah. and, we, and we used a couple of, of high-quality uh, high artificial intelligence firms, and they were able to layer this data and become with a high level of confidence to say, if we invest in this area, we're going we're gonna to reduce crashes by, say, 80%. Oh, wow. um, and, and that doesn't sound like it's enough. But we have a 30% uh, risk that there may not be a crash that occurs in that area. If we lower it to maybe 60% confidence, um, where we, we think we're going to lower, reduce crashes by that point, we have a 10% risk at that point. What, what we're doing is, and that was the first run, we're getting more data. We're refining where we collected. And we're hoping uh, for what we have here is that we can educate people that, you know, from the hours of 2 to 4 on this highway, uh, be prepared for crashes. We don't know the severity of the crash. We don't know um, all the contributing factors. What we're hoping to do is be more strategic, more direct in our approach so that we invest in our education, our enforcement, our engineering, and have our emergency trauma services that are going to respond to those in a, a a more strategic fashion. And other industries have done this. Uh, emergency medical services, their ambulances, uh, in some places they staff ambulances throughout their service area at different times a day based on need. They know over history that medicals or traumas or time of day occurs here. They, they station trucks there. So we're trying to mirror instances like that. Yeah. Fascinating. It's Fascinating. A, it's, it's, op, it's optimistically going to change the way we do traffic safety. Very interesting indeed. One last thing, uh, you you mentioned impaired drivers, and unfortunately, here we go, that day before Thanksgiving and all the way through New Year's Eve, very tough time of the year on the roadways, especially we see too many impaired drivers over the holidays. We do. We we see that people get together with family and friends, and and what a great time when we we get to break away from this year of COVID and, and all of the rest of the stuff. And and be ourselves and to enjoy that time. And sometimes that means people are imbibing, they're going to be drinking or doing whatever they're going to do. And it may get out of hand and they don't have a plan. And I I understand uh, many times people have said, I, I didn't think it was going to get there. You need to make a plan. Thanksgiving, the, the Wednesday night before, is a big risky night. Um, in between there and all the holiday parties that go right up through New Year's, please Think ahead. Come up with a plan. If you're scheduling an event, think about how you get your friends and family uh, home from that event. It'll make all the difference in the world. You, you don't want the day after conversation where, right. where, where, you know, hey, have you seen so-and-so? They, they didn't make it home last night. Those are tough. They really are. And like, can, you, like you say, this is a preventable uh, type of thing. Just plan ahead. Absolutely preventable. And um, I hope that's a happy holidays for everybody because they make that plan. It can be. Yeah. Tom, thank you so much for being here to talk about traffic safety again, and I hope we'll see you again soon. Sounds great. Thank you, Ken. And have a nice Thanksgiving. You as well. Tom Nixon is with the Minnesota TZD program. I'm Ken Thomas, and that is today's edition of Community Focus. We remind you that our Community Focus programs are available to listen to anytime on our website. Go to 1067wjjy.com. You can also find them on our free mobile app that's powered by Cuyuna Regional Medical Center.